stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what more can be said about our next guest, legendary actor, comedian, screenwriter, producer, co-founder of Monty Python, of course, creator of Faulty Towers, uh, named the greatest British television program ever, uh, star of Fish Called Wanda, has appeared in James Bond films, Harry Potter films. He's done it all. A career that's uh, now, I guess, technically into its seventh decade, if you can believe it. John Cleese, though, is not slowing down. He is going to be on tour this spring, a tour that brings him to our fair city May 10th at the Jack Singer Concert Hall. It is an evening of exceptional silliness with the one and only John Cleese, who joins us on the line here this afternoon. Mr. Cleese, great pleasure to have you with us here today. Welcome to the program. Nice to be with you, dear man. I was just talking about the last time when I was in Calgary when I had one of the best three steaks I've ever had in my life. <laughs> well, we're, we're very proud of our, our, our Alberta beef. I'm glad you took notice of that. Oh, it's tremendous. And uh, I'm talking here with Andy. He's, he's uh, does everything when I'm on tour, but he calls the show and everything. Sometimes he comes on and juggles. <laughs> <laughs> and he remembers the steak, so we're just making sure we stay in the hotel that's right next to that steakhouse. Now, enough about me and my stomach. What do you want to know? Well, well, tell us a bit about this tour, and I guess, you know, I mean, obviously, for the past couple of years, there hasn't been a lot of this. So I think it's just it's an exciting return to some normalcy, but tell us a bit more about the tour. Well, it's, uh, you're quite right. It was postponed from 20 to 21, and then it was postponed from 21 to 22. So I'm delighted to be doing it at last. But it looks to me as though this Omicron is uh, infectious, but nothing like as bad as the other ones. Right. And it doesn't seem to attack the lungs, so it's nothing like so generous. And if you've had a, a shot or two, you know, you, you could get sick, but, you know, it's not going to be really dangerous. That's the important thing. So I'm very much hoping that... And another variant doesn't come along and we can come and entertain you. And uh, it's an evening of exceptional silliness because that's what I know it will be. Um, <laughs> but at the time, I had to make the title up because I didn't know what I was going to be doing. But I've been discussing it since with my lovely daughter, Camilla, who's a stand-up comedian full-time. We've done over 100 shows together. So she'll come on and do open for me, as they say, and then uh, I'll come on and do a bit of scripted stuff for about 40, 45 minutes, and then we take a very short break, and then we have Q&A from the audience. And what we love now is that people can text a question to Camilla up on stage sitting next to me, and as they come in, she can choose the ones that she knows have better answers and avoid the ones that have boring answers and just generally... Uh, she can conduct the whole procedure, and I could just have fun telling all my stories. I would imagine it would be a tremendous joy to share a stage with your daughter, to tour with your daughter. How, how did you feel about her following in your footsteps, though? Oh, I, I, she was always wanted to do it, and she's very like me in some ways. I mean, yeah. she's six foot for a start, six foot one. Uh, so people are slightly surprised when she's almost my height. And she's just very funny and she loves performing. But like me, she has no no interest in serious acting at all. 
Um, and uh, what she loves doing is writing material because we write stuff together. We've actually written the book of a musical for Fish Called Wanda. And she comes up with the most extraordinarily original ideas. And what annoys me is that at the time, I don't think they're very good. And then the next day, I suddenly realize they are very good. And I have to climb down and admit my mistake, which is very <laughs> annoying. But uh, we, 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 we bicker uh, like a... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like fathers and daughters do, you know, try to score off each other. We say we have a loving relationship based on our mutual lack of respect. <laughs> that's perfect. What keeps you going? And maybe that that's part of it. I, I think certainly people would uh, would understand and appreciate if you wanted to enjoy what would be considered well into, you know, typical retirement years. But obviously you, you still love what you're doing. Well, I do enjoy it, and I have to earn the money, and this is the nicest way to earn the money. The reason I have to earn the money is the third divorce, you know. I mean, $20 million is a lot of money, and uh, if you yes. somehow scrape it together and pay it off over the years, there's still quite a hole in the bank balance, and so you have to keep filling it up. But uh, this is a good way of doing it. Indeed. And, and the crowds that, that come out to see you, I mean, obviously it, it transcends generations. I mean, they're the people who, who grew up with the Monty Python films and, and Faulty Towers. But, you know, younger people are, are going back now and it's, it's easy to go back and rediscover this. What, what do you make of the fact that, you know, there, there are younger people who were born long after these movies and, and films, you know, these shows were, were made that, that are big well, fans? It, it does seem to me that most of the people in the audience are older who grew up with me, and particularly there's a huge number of people who used to watch Monty Python when they were in college. Right. A lot of them have said they got it helped to get them through college and the examinations. Um, so that's certainly true. Um, but what I discovered when we were at the Monty Python show at the O2, which is seven or eight years ago now, uh, a lot of the younger people didn't know us, but they were taken along by their parents and they discovered they loved this kind of humor, but they didn't know about it. And the reason is young people always think that what is new is exciting and good. And the answer is that most of the stuff out there isn't very good. <laughs> you know, if you really want to see the best stuff, you should see the two best things from any one year. You know, go to 1939 and see the movies they made in 1939. There were about seven world beaters. But if you think that the ones in the cinema now are likely to be as good as the best of the last few years, obviously you're completely wrong. And, and young people tend to be excited about what is new without really thinking how good it is. And I think so, therefore, people begin to forget things. I mean, I was talking to a film producer the other day, and he was talking about talking to young people from film school who didn't know who Burt Lancaster was. Only one of them was heard of Cary Grant. Um, you know, it's funny. They forget the great stuff in the past because they're so focused on the present moment. And as I say, most of what is being made, most of the time isn't that good and won't last. It only gets a bit of attention because it's new. What's it been like for you watching over the years? I mean, you've always been, you know, provocative and I, I suppose controversial in the eyes of some to see these these films, these shows that were at the time seen as provocative or controversial, you know, become beloved. Yes, right? And, and right. to you, it was always it was always the art, though. 
Yes, it was. And I remember how upset people got about a lot of things I did in the past, which they absolutely nobody bothers about them at all today. And I think there is a general greater tolerance. But they're moving in the other direction is wokery now. And that, you know, people getting upset about everything. And that seems to me there's a good impulse behind it, which is let kind to people. And I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. But there is such a thing as being oversensitive and there's such a thing as being overprotective if parents are overprotective then they're overprotective then they're not preparing their children for a world that can be quite tough and similarly if you're going to say oh if you say that word i'm going to have a nervous breakdown i exaggerate of course <laughs> then uh, that's not very helpful because it means that a lot of humor that people really love and enjoy is well, we're supposed to not have that anymore because it's and this is a characteristic of people usually without much sense of humor people who are hypersensitive and very much lacking in a sense of humor and a sense of humor is a sense of proportion and the only thing that they see is offense well as they say if you give a man a hammer everything begins to look like a nail if you're on the lookout for offense it's not hard to be offended i just read something this morning about them apologizing for some of shakespeare's plays you know you say well Take Hamlet. What do you object to? Well, it's a stereotype, isn't it? You know, it's a depressed Scandinavian with suicidal thoughts. Well, that's a stereotype, so you shouldn't be doing that. And then Macbeth, well, you shouldn't be doing Macbeth because it is showing the most cross but the bloodthirsty, murderous creatures. <laughs> you see what I mean? You can, you, can, you can find an objection to any joke at all because humor is always critical. If there's someone perfect like Jesus Christ, there's nothing funny about them. It's only our faults that we laugh at. And if you're going to not laugh at people's faults, I mean, there isn't going to be any humor. So what you have to accept is there's a thing like nasty teasing, nasty racial jokes, nasty mm. sexual jokes, which are unkind and miserable and make people unhappy. And we don't do those. There's no argument about that. But affectionate teasing, if I say to you, why do the French have so many civil wars? The answer is so that they can win one now and again. <laughs> we all have a good laugh at that, but it doesn't mean we hate the French. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, so well, if people don't yeah. understand the difference between nasty teasing and affectionate teasing, they will soon lose the right to laugh. Yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, you know, in, in various forms, you've been dealing with this really since since the 1960s. But uh, even though maybe the, the objections are different or the people are different, it, it's kind of the same thing today in some ways, isn't it? Well, you're right. There's always something you can't say. You know, yeah. it was the F word back in the 60s. You said that and the traffic stopped. Now, you, you can say it and people don't turn a hair, whereas if you say the N-word traffic stops. Well, uh, you know, what we need to remember about words is that they are just words. And what, the, what people don't understand is that words depend on the context. You can insult your friends and roar with laughter because everybody knows that the context is affection. If you said the same things to a total stranger, it would be terribly rude. But they're an unpleasant and possibly unkind. But they're the same things, the same words. The context is what gives them the meaning. And that's something that the woke people don't understand. They're obsessed with certain words. 
It is an evening of exceptional silliness coming to Alberta this spring, May 9th at the Windsor Center in Edmonton, May 10th at the Jack Singer Concert Hall in Calgary, Alberta. John Cleese, so much looking forward to having you here, and uh, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you here today. Well, come back off to the show and say hello, okay? All right, so all the best. John Cleese, Good. thanks again. Look Cheers. Bye-bye. There you go. The one and only John Cleese, co-founder, of course, Monty Python, star of all those incredible Monty Python films, creator of Faulty Towers. Uh, you know, again, it goes on and on. So May 9th and 10th, Edmonton and Calgary should be fantastic. All right, we got a lot more to get to here this afternoon. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.